Hello, I'm Dr. Nathan Harper. I'm one of the associate clinical professors of psychiatry at Brody School of Medicine and the medical director of the ECU Medical Center Behavioral Health Unit. And I'm here with one of my colleagues today to discuss two specific medications. Hello, I'm Dr. Karim Hibishi. I'm one of the PGY-5 internal medicine and psychiatry residents at East Carolina University Brody School of Medicine. So in this talk today, we'll discuss two closely related antidepressants that are pretty new to the U.S. market. The first one is Milnasopram. That's marketed under the brand name Savella. The second is its optical isomer, Levomilnasopram. Levomilnasopram is known by the brand name Fetzema. So Dr. Habishi, can you tell us more about these two medications? Absolutely. In fact, milnasopran is not a new molecule, despite being approved in the United States market in 2009 only. Milnasopran was interestingly the first SNRI marketed in Japan in 1999. I can't help but shed some light on the unique antidepressants market in Japan. The Japanese market of antidepressants is far different than the Western market. The traditional tricyclics has dominated the atmosphere there for long. It was not until 2005 that SSRIs and SNRIs were included in their treatment guidelines, and it was considered second line. To make it even more interesting, the first SSRI approved in the United States, fluoxetine, was approved in 1987. However, the first SSRI approved in Japan was fluvoxamine, approved in 1999, a few months before the approval of milnasopram in Japan. Until today, fluvoxetine and citalopram has not yet received approval in the Japanese market. Moreover, sertraline did not receive approval until 2006. Then, most recently, mirtazapine and escitalopram and fluvoxetine were introduced to the Japanese market all after 2010. Getting back to our today's topic, milnasopran, or used brand name Sevilla, and we will use brand name for both medications today, given that their generic names are very close to each other, to avoid confusion. Sevilla, or milnasopran, data on depression comes mainly from years of use in the Japanese market and more recently in the European market. As of today, Savella has not received approval by FDA for use in major depressive disorder. Its only FDA-approved indication in the United States is for fibromyalgia. The same parent company, AbbVie, then introduced Levomilnasepran, or Fitzema, to the U.S. markets four years later in 2013 and received FDA approval for major depression. So that's interesting how it was introduced in one market earlier and then another later and then for two different uh, reasons. And it shows how different authorities evaluate medications. So in regards to Savella, why don't you tell us how this one is thought to work? Absolutely. For today's topic, I believe we cannot separate the two medications completely, and I would like to talk about both of them together and clarify their similarities and differences as we go. Sevilla, being the first molecule of the two, has more studies and data behind it, mainly from the Japanese and European markets, as we talked earlier. Sevilla is considered the pure definition of, a, of an SNRI. It has no preference for either serotonin or norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. 
In other words, it inhibits both 5-HT and norepinephrine reuptake equally. On the other hand, Fitzema does have a preference for norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor over serotonin. In one study of in vitro effect, Fitzema was 27 times more potent on norepinephrine reuptake inhibition compared to dloxetine and 17 times more potent than Venla vaccine. This effect was seen at higher end of dosages of each. Moreover, Sevilla is believed to have weak non-competitive NMDA receptor antagonist properties at higher doses. This is believed to contribute to its effect on chronic pain. Fitzema, on the other hand, is not believed to have this NMDA action. Okay. And so how are these two very similar medicines used in clinical practice and settings? Interestingly, Sevilla has never received FDA approval for treating major depressive disorder, as we talked earlier. Despite being used for major depression in Japan and Europe for more than a decade before coming to the United States, Sevilla's only FDA-approved indication is for fibromyalgia treatment, and the usual dose needed for fibromyalgia is higher than that used for depression. In clinical practice, however, it is used off-label for major depression and for neuropathic pain as well. Fitzema, on the other hand, has FDA approval for major depressive disorder only. However, it is also used off-label for fibromyalgia and neuropathic pain. So can you kind of fill us in on the dosing and administration of these two medicines? Sevilla's recommended dosage is widely variable between different countries and for different indications. For depression, it is recommended to be dosed twice a day. However, the recommended starting dose is 12.5 mg once daily. To be increased to 12.5 mg twice daily on day 2, then double the dose every 2 days until an average dose of 50 mg twice a day or a total daily dose of 100 mg. A total daily dose of 100 mg is the usual recommended dose to treat depression. If there is no response or partial response, it can be increased to a maximum total daily dose of 200 mg divided in two doses. As for fibromyalgia and chronic neuropathic pain, higher doses are usually required for response, and thus a usual dose of 100 mg twice a day is recommended and needed. Some patients may require a total daily dose up to 300 mg to achieve response. Sevilla is not affected by food intake and can be taken with or without food. And then how about Fitzema? Fitzema is dosed once daily as it is produced in an extended release capsule from which provides an advantage from compliance standpoint. Given this, it should not be crushed or chewed. We start Fitzema at 20 mg once daily and increase to 40 after two days, and then 40 mg can be continued to assist for response, which is considered a good therapeutic dose. It can be further increased up to 120 mg once daily if needed to achieve response. As with Sevilla, Fitzema also requires higher doses to treat fibromyalgia or chronic pain and is usually dosed at 100 to 120 mg to achieve response in pain. Fitzema intake is not affected by food either. And since these medications are both so similar... Are they similar in their side effect profile? They are both very comparable in side effect profile. 
They both have increased side effects related to their stronger action on the norepinephrine reuptake compared to other antidepressants. They both tend to be more activating in nature due to this mechanism and they can cause elevated blood pressure that is dose dependent. We should check blood pressure and heart rate before starting treatment and on each office visit afterwards. Both of them also can cause urinary hesitancy or even retention, especially in older population. Hyperhidrosis or increased sweating and erectile dysfunction is also common, secondary to the increased norepinephrine effect, and they can cause gastrointestinal symptoms like nausea and vomiting. Both medications can cause insomnia and irritability. The risk of hyponatremia and bruising is similar to other antidepressants, and SIADH and bleeding was rarely reported in post-marketing safety data. Of course, we must mention that both medications also has the antidepressant class black box warning for increased suicidal thoughts and behavior, especially in children and adolescents. There are also rare reports of seizures with both medications. So is there anything we need to know about their use in pregnancy and lactation? Both medications are not well studied in pregnancy or lactation, and this to be avoided as first-line treatment in females in reproductive age. A detailed discussion and consideration of risks, benefits, and alternatives must take place. So in regards to metabolism, are these medications affected by problems with kidney function or liver dysfunction or interactions with other drugs? They are both not well studied in end-stage liver or renal disease. For Sevilla, the dose should be decreased to 25 mg twice a day in severe renal impairment, but there is no recommended dose adjustment for moderate renal impairment. And there is no need to adjust the dose in liver disease. As for Fitzema, the maximum dose recommended in moderate renal impairment is 80 mg daily. This should be further reduced to 40 mg daily if GFR falls below 30. In older population, the rules of, of start low and go slow still applies. However, in Japan, they recommend a maintenance dose of 25 mg twice a day for Sevilla in elderly population. Both drugs should not be used with MAO inhibitors. Sevilla is not cytochrome P450 dependent and thus has no major interactions with strong inducers or inhibitors of cytochrome P450. This can be very useful in patients on multiple medications. On the other hand, Fitzema is metabolized by cytochrome P453A4. Thus, strong inhibitors of 3A4 like ketoconazole may increase the plasma concentration. Also, given its extended release form, it should not be taken with alcohol as it can interact with its extended release properties, causing accelerated release or what we call drug dumping. So, considering what we know about these two medications, in your mind, who would be an ideal candidate for treatment with either of them? Given their activating side effects and higher norepinephrine action, I would ideally use them in patients with major depression with psychomotor retardation and atypical depression and in patients with hypersomnia. They are also an excellent choice for patients with comorbid fatigue, chronic pain, and fibromyalgia. Their potential drawbacks for this is cost and risk of increasing blood pressure. Okay, well, I appreciate it, Dr. Habishi. It sounds like these are two medications that have been around for a while but not used a lot in U.S. markets. It seems like there's a lot of crossover with one being used for depression, 
off-label for pain, one for pain, off-label for depression. It'd be interesting to see if they're used more in practice, and as their costs come down again, maybe more widely used by primary care doctors and psychiatrists. Great talk today, and thank you for giving us a good introduction to these two medicines. Thank you.